Hello, and welcome to New Jersey is the world. This is my microphone. There are many like it, but this one is mine. My microphone is my life. I must master it as I must master my life. Without my microphone, I am useless. Without <laughs> without myself. Okay, we're going to leave that in. Carson, don't erase any of that. Nick, were you recording that? That's my test drum. And, all, and my catchphrase tonight is me. Oh, oh he's in a mood. <laughs> Bonaduce is in a mood, everybody. Like, that's all I heard on that. So everything was like, He's got that hot dog power tonight. I do. I'm all nitrated up. And listen, surprisingly, I will fucking forward you my blood results because I am not fucking kidding you. When I got him back, I was like, oh, my God, my doctor's like, you are an excellent fucking health. I was like, that's the last fucking thing you ever should have fucking told me ever in the entire world. Like everything, they give me the ranges. My numbers are dead center on every single one. I had one number that was high. It was by one point. It was my LDL. Instead of being 99, it was 100. So go fucking figure. Like, I don't know what to even say anymore. I'll probably drop dead tomorrow. I just want to reiterate that we're <laughs> including all of this in the episode. I forgot this All right. Last bite. I'm good to go. No more hot dogs. I'm not... I'm being serious. Carson is not currently at the recording. Carson, when you listen back to this later, erase erase none of this. Dude, I just housed I just housed two subrettes in like thirty seconds. And started screaming. It's like I'm probably gonna vomit on myself. My stomach is small. Hello everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to New Jersey is the world. So you can see a very manic night, a very energetic night. This is because it's an exciting night, because it's an exciting week in New Jersey. Everybody's been talking about the return of The Sopranos, The Many Saints of Newark, hit HBO Max, it hit theaters, and obviously this is a cultural touch point. The greatest show on television, new content for the first time in, I think it's 14 years. Huge. Has to be discussed, and we have to uh, know what the New Jersey is the World gang has, has been thinking about it. I watched the movie two days ago. Um, I have my own opinions. I have seen a lot of internet chatter. I've been surprised by some of it, not surprised by others. We are here currently with uh, Bonaduce, as you've heard. We all know how Bonaduce is doing. He's got a belly full of... uh, I can't believe that actually went out of the theaters. Belly full of sabrettes. No offense, but I I don't think I'd go to movies to go see that. But anyway. Okay, okay. Early early one sentence review. Mike D., I assume you watched it uh, last night, the night before? I did. I watched it over the weekend, uh, and I'm excited to talk about it. There's a couple of things about it that I especially enjoyed being from New Jersey and being uh, of Italian-American descent. Now, Don Finelli could not be here tonight. He is watching his lovely daughter, but he did send in his review. Um, we'll be able to play that later. I haven't even listened to it. He sent me his audio. Is this going to involve... Uh- clips from the movie while we're talking about it, or is that like a copyright thing no <laughs> i wish we were that organized and that we'll just have to act it out for everybody technically adept okay. but yeah i can't do it plus we get the sh- shit suit out of us i want to start tonight with the review of our own south jersey official correspondent andrea quinn because when i asked you if you wanted to be here for our many saints of newark review episode you did reveal to me something i found shocking <laughs> which is I've never seen a single episode of the show. Huh. Everything I know about it is just through cultural osmosis. Well, it, it is fascinating. One of the main thoughts I had watching the movie on my own, not to tip my hand to my reaction, was if I did not know Sopranos references, I, I have no idea if I'd be able to view this as just a movie. I had that exact same reaction, Chris. So, Andrea, just as a film, not knowing anything about these people or what was happening outside of what you've picked up over the years, what what did you take away from The Many Saints of Newark? I've been trying to think about how to phrase this without sounding like I'm insulting something that is very dear to all of you. But is... Was the show... did the sh- was the show it felt to me like the movie was like trafficking in stereotypes that it thought was were very funny oh yeah like i couldn't tell if the show liked <laughs> do you know what I, like yeah it was like weird 
was that this was the tone similar the in Italian the show stuff in yeah yeah it, that's all over the show but to that it's like okay so it is almost like a caricature of what because i think growing up in jersey like we know or you know what i mean people like that for real and it still felt to me like a caricature of of those people and i was just wondering if the show kind of lent that heavily into it as well i don't know that the sh- i like the characters weren't consistent i don't know I was just that's that mike d answer that one nick oh, just sorry, because sorry. mike sorry. d does have italian blood running through his veins so i feel like you have the most right to this is true and he's from belmont avenue so. <laughs> i there was a lot of stuff i re- i recognized only from here and y'all talk about so i liked that <laughs> i actually compiled a list of that that we can get into at some point yeah. there but i i I get what you're saying, Andrew, because I felt the same way that the film version of it, it very much felt like stereotypes, but I never felt that way about the show. And I would think the simplest explanation for me is I think just because you had so much time with the characters on the show that they were able to really dig into it. And so nothing was really surface. Whereas I think in the film, you know, you've only got two hours and change for them to, to set this up and play the characters out for you. But I get it. I mean, some of it definitely felt like just really playing into, (laughs) into the, Mm -hmm. the Italian North Jersey stereotype. But I mean, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, that can pass for, you know, representing the culture, maybe. <laughs> I mean, that being said, I, I did have a fun time watching it. Like thinking about it now, like even what you're saying, like our perspective is on like the generation before us that we grew up with. You know, that did go through the riots in the sixties and everything like that. But I think everybody was even more goombats, you know, in the sixties than like we can even perceive as what we grew up knowing right. from the goombas that we grew up with. That makes sense at all. I don't know. It did, meaning like you're talking about like uh, like the over exaggeration of like you know everything from like the Italian words that we all like gabagool and everything else like the over it seemed like over goombarized, <laughs> but maybe in the '60s it was it was just that the generation was closer to you know the being the first generation that it was that goombats. I don't know. Does that make any sense at all? Yeah, like maybe our maybe our perception wasn't. It, like, I, I feel is like a second or third generation of Goombaism as opposed to like a closer sixties. Yeah, generation. I, I think the show was a little more diluted, and I think what you're saying is they're looking at an earlier generation that was less diluted. Like AJ and Meadow yeah. aren't as much like that in the younger generation, but when they're right. looking at the generation before Tony, like these are people who that makes sense. We're all listening to like Dion and the Belmonts back in the day, and it was right. really like and uh, that hood culture that tied into the Goombats culture, like was very much on their sleeves. But also, it was a two-hour movie, and it was packing in a ton of that in a way that felt. Yeah, I'm not shocked to hear you felt like it was maybe making fun of them more than exploring it mm-hmm. like the show did yeah plot wise how did this work for you as a movie it i have no i i could not tell you what <laughs> happened like there i wish that i could there were points where i was like i must need to have some context for why they would include this thing it, like it felt to me like i could tell when there was something that didn't make sense because I needed the context of the show, but then there were other moments where I was like, is this something that would have made sense to me if I had? Like, did the plot feel consistent and did it make sense to to you guys as a movie? (laughs) No. Barely. (laughs) Okay. okay. I would say it held together. (laughs) Okay. As soon as I was done watching it, and I'll just preface this by saying, I really enjoyed it every single second of it. I loved watching it. I, I think people should watch it. It was extremely entertaining. Mm-hmm. But plot-wise, it felt to me like Winesburg, Ohio, right? It's a bunch of small vignettes that mm-hmm. each on their own are really interesting and fun to check out, and they're well put together, but there is just angel's breath holding them together, <laughs> moving one to the other. I mean, that was how I felt. Yeah, it's all tied to, yeah. It, there's that... One take, you know, basically a changing of the guard kind of in Newark that was like loosely holding the storyline. I would, I walked to, I feel like we're all on the same page. I walked away going, man, would I love to watch a movie about the Newark riots set in this world? Mm-hmm. Or man, would I love to see like a four episode miniseries about Tony Soprano coming into his own and joining yeah, the mob? Yeah, yeah. I feel like I just kind of watched 
half of a movie about the Nork riots and a pilot episode about <laughs> mm-hmm. Tony Soprano's series. Mm. I don't necessarily, but I'm also with Mike D. I'm seeing a lot of hate online and people really crapping on. It. I go, I had so much fun living back in this world again. I felt like I put on like a pair of old shoes and they still fit and they were super comfortable. Like I felt like I was living in Sopranos world again and it was fun. But yes, it definitely felt like the stuff with the Nork riots just, I mean, and obviously anybody listening, major, major spoilers here, but felt like it just ended with the thing, you know, you got that amazing shot of Dickie Moltisanti looking through that shotgun blast on the wall mm. and he sees Harold's face. You're like, that is amazing. And then felt like the next thing you get is like a mid credit scene that's like, and Harold won. And you're like... <laughs> But that was the movie. I was watching that movie. Mm-hmm. That was the movie I was watching. Um, so that felt weird. I would watch that movie and not really worry about Tony Soprano. Or I would watch Tony Soprano's story and not worry about that movie. But they, I didn't get both, although I had a ton of fun watching. I'm, so forgive me if I'm, I'm terrible with names like I do. I have a podcast. We talk about the same show every week, and I still forget main characters' names. So this is not... <laughs> Uh, an issue with the movie. Also, plug the show. What are we doing? Why are we being vague? Uh, because it's my. Ba- it's a Battlestar Galactica podcast. Is it really? Um, I'm, yeah, I'm a newcomer. And what's it called? It's called. Is it the really old ones? Or no. Is it so the it's the 2004 reboot. It's called Second Edition One, and we're halfway through our final season. So let's get those plugs that in. Come show, on. Wow. If you're not always be marketing. Yeah. If you're not, I'm gonna have to start watching it, and then I'm gonna call it. It's, it's a it's a call-in show, so that's perfect. Oh, it's awesome. not. You don't mind it. <laughs> um, but uh, but I mean we're. We're almost done this the series so that that's why okay. um but okay. uh it is a lot of fun it's a it's a very nerdy network that my podcast is on but um so my question is the guy the guy the guy who drowns his i guess she's not Dickie. his wife dicky Dickie. 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 okay is that something that was like did you know for a fact that any of that story or is that something that was hinted at at the series no is that in, oh, no that's wholly so new Andrew, for this movie yeah so andrea the uh the narrator christopher Maltesanti, the f- baby the camera floats over his grave he's the baby <laughs> he's one of the major characters of the 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 show dicky Maltesanti never to my knowledge i don't even think in a flashback appeared in the show but he was constantly talked about as tony's mentor what and part of why tony loved christopher was because he felt all this allegiance to uh, Dicky, and then, uh, and if you don't mind this, I, I mean, it's 2021. If you haven't watched it, I'm just going to spoil it. It's Sopranos. Oh, it's you're fine. Tony convinces Christopher to kill um, a, a Clifton cop at one point by saying that's the guy who killed your father. So the movie kind of revealed that wasn't true. There were a lot of rumors about Dicky's death, and I was when when you oh. told me you didn't watch any of the Sopranos when I watched the movie, I was kind of laughing hard because I actually think one of the most impactful moments <laughs> of the whole movie is when Junior goes to that payphone and they reveal that yes. Junior's pride at Dickie laughing at him is what got Dickie killed. Yeah. If you were a Sopranos fan, that w- that was genuinely kind of a jaw wow. dropper. Cool. That was That's like, whoa, cool. that was huh. fucking Junior that did that? Because there were... Junior's always been a scumbag. Though. Always was. And, you know, in the one of the first or second episode, I think Hesh warns Tony, hey, you got to watch out for your Uncle Junior. His... He's got a lot of pride, and it leads to bad decisions, um, which you now wonder, was that a reference? Did Hesh figure out right. the Dickie thing? But So that was like a huge, what really happened to Dickie? They answered that question, and the fact that it was Junior was huge, but that must have felt, like, you must have been watching it and just going like, oh, okay. I mean, there were a lot okay. of there were a lot of moments like that, and then and I was trying to watch it generously and just assuming that anything like that was just because I didn't have the context for it. So like, sure. Th- but I just assumed also that they were things that had been more, um, a little more explicit in the show, and we we were just getting there were. some. There were. Okay. This is actually a perfect segue to one of the first things I want to ask Mike and Nick about because one of the. One of the running things is, you know, this next generation of actors playing younger versions mm-hmm. of characters we've seen before. Um, I feel like Vera Farmiga, I think, is that, am I pronouncing the actor's name right? Her as Livia Soprano, I thought, yeah. stole the movie. She was amazing. Amazing tribute to the acting yeah. of, uh, of, of Livia from the series. Also, kudos to the, the makeup team, because I know that they gave her a nose and they did an amazing job of making her look not just like Livia, but at times like Carmela. 
really underlining this idea that Tony married his mom. Yeah, I thought it was Carmela. It was so crazy. Yeah, oh, for sure. I thought that was so cool. She was so good. I got to ask Mike D and Nick, on the other end of the spectrum, and Andrea, you did not watch the show. I did not watch the show. One of my main takeaways walking away from this film, how mad do you think Stevie Van Zandt is? in the wake of this film. Like, because he was, like, cartooned out? Because that Silvio was beyond insane. He was a caricature of Silvio. He was, like, he was like a cartoon. He was, like, oh, but maybe if he was a younger guy. It was, like, not even SNL level. It was, like, med... It was, yeah. like, a med TV level impression. <laughs> <laughs> it honestly was, like, if med TV did a sketch that was, like, hey, if Silvio Dante got hit in the head with a hammer and was never the same again. And we put it on Mad TV. If I was little Stevie, my feelings would be so hurt by what I saw in that film. This guy going like fists, everything. It was like Looney Tunes level. Get yourself killed. Get yourself fucking killed fucking with Stevie Van Zandt in this state. But the whole hair thing was was revealing. That was funny enough. And and to be fair, the guy's posture and the walk, I thought there were a couple scenes where I was giggling just at seeing how he did the Silvio walk. But just the way he was talking, I was like, suffering, succotash. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Why are they doing this to Silvio? This is insanity. Whereas the guy who did Pauly, I thought was great. I, I think the difference between... The Steven Van Zant version of Silvio and the one in the movie is the Steven Van Zant version of Silvio had menace. Yeah. Like Silvio, he could and would turn around and choke you to death at the slightest provocation. Whereas I think the character version in the film here, he didn't seem scary at all. And being, being funny on the surface, but scary is what made Silvio such an interesting character, I think. And Steven Van Zandt, right? Little Steven played that off so well. Who, and he was not an actor. He was just, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, he was accomplished in a bunch of other things, but he was not an actor. And he, what he was giving a, like a, he was inducting someone into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, David Chase, watched the show and called him up and said, you should come audition for this show. I'm doing the Sopranos. And that was how he ended up getting the role for that. I think auditioned for Tony initially. Yeah. For Tony. Right. And then now Mike, let me ask you, cause I mean, you grew up in Newark, you grew up, you know, you've told the Carmenucci story on this show. (laughs) I I, I don't think I'm being like close minded. And you say you grew up most exposed to Goomba's culture compared to anyone else on the screen. When you watch Stevie Van Zandt in The Sopranos, that character was insane and cartoony, but like you said, scary. Were there? Did you grow up around any guys like that? These like kind of weirdo, older, menacing guys? Because I've never like the the younger version of them. I've no one in no one has ever behaved like that. But <laughs> Silvio, I kind of bought in the show. Silvio in the movie. Get the fuck out of town, man. That was insanity. You know, growing up, we had, we had a family friend who was close friends with my parents. Um, and he was exactly like Silvio. Had a bad hairpiece, was <laughs> wore outrageous clothing. Like, he was really known for wearing... Uh, he always wore, like, a Gucci tracksuit, and he had, like, a five-pound five gold Cadillac medallion. Uh-huh. And... And he was a really nice guy, at least to me when I was a kid. He was nice to my whole family. And and when you talk to him, if you first met him, you'd be, who's this clown? What is this guy? But he was a serious, a serious guy. Um, so I think people like that existed. And I think, you know, you just, you know, part of it is mannerisms. You grow up that way. And part of it is having a strange fashion sense growing up down <laughs> neck where you get a little bit of money and, and you start buying that stuff. So, I, I mean, I always found... Silvio, a pretty believable character because I knew people like him growing up. I mean, much older than me, but you know, friends of my parents were like that. So, but the the movie Silvio just seemed like a character that he had watched too many Sopranos episodes and was imitating. You know, little Steve. I mean, and again, look, I'm I am an actor. I, I get paid to act. I don't like shitting on other people's work, and and nothing makes it to a screen without. Actors, writers, producers, directors, everybody coming together. So I'm not blaming whoever this guy was who played Silvio, okay? And I'm not one to shit out of the people's work. I was just so confused that one of these characters that was so beloved, it, it felt like if you said, hey, take that 
and do a version of it that would offend Lorne Michaels sensibilities. And remember, <laughs> Lorne Michaels let Sherry O'Terry do the cheerleading thing 150 <laughs> times. Do something Lorne Michaels would say that's too big. Yeah. You know? You both said something. SNL is exactly what I thought. It reminded me of this, it, the like, the what they would have done making fun of the movie that I wouldn't have watched. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. Um, but then Mike, do you said that it, he didn't have any menace. He wasn't menacing. And yeah. I think that's what I was expecting from this movie that I didn't get from anybody. I didn't, there, there was nobody in this movie that I felt I would have, that I felt like, felt like an actual threat. Even when they were murdering people, they just all felt Even kind Dickie. of, they were kind of like clownish to me uh. in a way that I don't remember anybody ever talking about the show as being. There was some clownishness on the show. Christopher and Polly had some funny goony moments. Bobby Bacala, definitely some characters who were those menacing guys who would sometimes be tasked to kill, but were also com- comedic. Really, people forget the Sopranos. I believe was originally supposed to be a comedy, um, and it just it, it just changed in development. Mm. But yeah, not like this. Although I would say I actually thought the guy who played Dicky Moltisanti carried the movie was really well and. That combination of being like Gentleman Dicky, which is what they all knew him as growing up, Andrea, in the show, they referred to him as Gentleman Dicky, this class act. Then you find out oh, he killed his own fucking dad. He killed his, 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 his takes his wa- dad's wife as a lover, kills her. I'm like, this is creepy, dark shit. And I thought him killing the dad in the car that freaked me out uh, personally, but maybe I'm a little too invested. <laughs> there was one scene in the show that I said right after I watched it that it was actually one of the most disturbing scenes I've ever seen in a film. And I mean this. And the scene is when um, they're driving in the car and, and they have the top down and Johnny Boy and Livia start arguing. Oh, yeah. And Johnny Boy, in anger, shoots through Livia's hair out the car. Yeah. That's a... Which was referenced... Oh. It was yeah. referenced as a jokey thing. Right, in the in the show, in but the when Sopranos you watch series, it... It's referenced as like a that's ha, a, ha, ha. That's one of the most disturbing things I've seen in a film in a long time. Just imagine... So fucked up. You know, pointing a gun at hey, your wife's your hair and shooting through her hair to make a point. I mean, that's some... That's a real <laughs> sociopathic thing to do. hundred percent. And now Nick, Nick, obviously Nick and Mike, huge, de- huge development for this podcast. Did you guys catch where Tony went to school? No, I don't think it was paying attention. You guys didn't fucking notice this? Uh, West, no, what was it like? West Orange High. Was it West Orange High? <laughs> I thought they were in Edison. Uh, I, I thought they were at the Roosevelt auditorium at one point when they were doing when he says he hit the number his varsity jacket was the old um oh the um so west orange used to have two high schools yeah mountain mountain west high orange. school and west orange. now the three of us went to west orange high in the building long known as mountain high yeah the building now known as seton hall prep used to be west orange high oh. he was wearing a west orange mustangs varsity jacket Wow. I believe. I'm going to double check it right now while yeah, you guys talk amongst yourselves. I, I missed that. I thought that it was West Caldwell. I had always heard he went to West Essex in the um, in the canon of the show, but I, I, I thought that was a West Orange hijacking. Because West Orange, it's like so much better. I'm going to double check it. You guys talk amongst yourselves. How do you feel the fact that there was a line that um, when Tony was raised out in the suburbs, it made him kind of a pussy, I believe was the line, or something along those lines. Bit, yeah. The fact that that was referring to West Orange, <laughs> how does that make you feel as I verify this information? Yeah, definitely. You're a pussy if you grew up in the suburbs. <laughs> right? If you grew up in Newark, you're a fucking, and you're, you know, you get into fights, you're a badass. If you're from West Orange or West Caldwell and you fucking get into fights and beat up other pussies, like, it's definitely not as tough. Lost your edge. It is indeed a uh, West Orange High School Mustangs varsity jacket. Sweet. Nice detail, David Chase. That's cool. <laughs> and that means he lives on your guys' side of town. Whoa, 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 whoa. He must. Middle of the hill, motherfucker. There is no such thing as middle of the hill, Nick. <laughs> Fuck Gregory Avenue, motherfucker. Please, don't even start. This down the hill, this down the hill shame you feel. And, and you bash, yo, you bash Starange. On Instagram, I saw that. I, I did not know. Here's what Nick's referring to. <laughs> you said South no, Orange. I is post. Than West you can Orange. go to my Instagram right now. That's I have. Up. I love you to death, but that's fucked no, up. A friend of mine sent me a copy of a letter that was sent home when I was a sophomore in high school, where the principal of West Orange High had to inform every 
apparent because there were all these rumors that there were gang fights and drive-by shootings happening at the high school. It's fucked up. It was really bad. Now, he claims there were no gang fights. There absolutely were gang fights. I think the drive-bys were a rumor, but there were definitely people with weapons showing up from other towns. Every one I went to high school with. Kentucky. They weren't talking about the bunnies and the rhinos? And then a guy on, <laughs> in my Instagram comments says, Mike D, wait, what was that? Is that something we have to delete, or was it okay? No, no, it's okay. Oh, now, Mike D, someone jumps in and goes, it's crazy your high school had something this bad happen when West Orange is the nicest orange. I simply respond and said, South Orange is nicer. I think that's objective fact. It's true. Nick's getting all mad. It doesn't matter. South Orange is a nicer town than West Orange. It doesn't matter if it's nicer. You're from West Orange. West Orange automatically not better. Okay, so if somebody said the same thing to you, Livingston or West Orange. Livingston is nicer than West Orange. That's it. <laughs> Livingston is a the, nicer I'm town. The, I'm off the podcast. I can't take it. It is not nicer. Why are none of us raising our children in West Orange if it's such a <laughs> great place? Because I can't afford taxes in Essex County. and I'm If I could afford divorce. those taxes, I would not go back. I would. I wouldn't, man. I go live downtown. I go, I'm going to go buy, when I hit the lottery this week, I'm going to buy the Old Llewellyn Hotel. <laughs> nice. so we can all move I'm going to call it the Goombats Inn. <laughs> and it's going to be Soprano theme. I wonder, um, what did Tom Carvel think of the many saints of milk? <laughs> Tom Carvel was Greek and he was from Queens. <laughs> Do you like ice cream? Do you like mobsters? <laughs> Do like bad goombots. Oh, it's so weird because it, it was so. It was, <laughs> I lost character. So. <laughs> Tom Calvell doesn't like characters of Italian Americans. I'm a Greek American. I'm a self-made Greek American. But those people used to come and shake me down all the time. Can I add one thing to the the letter? that the principal sent Chris. I just can't have to get this off my chest. So you yeah. you texted us a, a, an actual picture of the letter. And I would yeah. just like to say that th- the principal who wrote the letter, who it's well known was my arch enemy. He expelled me from high school. He was. But, but he did. his grammar is absolutely atrocious. Ooh, he has that. third like that grade grammar. Too. And I would just like I to say, go. 2021 revenge on former West Absolutely atrocious. If he worked for me, I would fire him. He probably didn't even write it. Now, since we're talking so much about the letter, why don't I just go ahead and read the letter oh, in its entirety since we're talking so much about it. And then I think what we'll do is we'll focus back up and we'll play Don Finelli's reaction to the many saints of North. Which again... Had its flaws, had its issues. Plot-wise, it was a little scattered. Seems like we're all in agreement. Some of the throwback characters presented more accurately than others. But I know for myself and Mike D. Nick, I don't know how you felt. I fucking had fun watching it. I don't know about you, Nick. I loved it. I would watch it again. Yeah, I, I enjoyed, enjoyed it. it. I would too. Wait till I go through my list of interesting Goombots phrases from New Jersey that I wrote down. We're going to read this letter. We're going to hear from Don. <laughs> and then uh, we'll hear from Mike D's breakdown of the uh, Italian-American North Jersey slang accuracy. So it's on Western High School letterhead. October 24th, 1995. Parents and guardians of Western High School students. As I'm sure you know, there was a fight at West Orange High School an hour after school was dismissed on Thursday, October 19th, 1995. The aftermath of this event resulted in some students receiving long suspensions. In addition to the event itself, there were many rumors about students having guns, gangs of outsiders who were going to come into West Orange High School, and possible drive-by shootings. With the cooperation of the West Orange Police Department, every rumor was investigated. Every student rumored to have a gun was searched. None was ever found. No gangs came to the school. Yeah, right. And there were no drive-by shootings. Two adults did threaten a student outside one of the gymnasiums. They were arrested and charged with making terrorists, threats, and criminal trespassing. I know that many of you had great apprehension about the safety of your children, given the nature of these rumors. I can report to you that school has proceeded in a normal manner, and today, almost all the rumors have ceased. Weird phrasing on that. Almost all the rumors have ceased. He doesn't even know how to conjugate a verb. He's in like six different (laughs) tenses. This is the kind of thing that drives me crazy. West Orange High School remains a safe space, a safe school to send your children. Yeah, uh, yeah. Think about it, though. What did he actually do there? He served no function. He was like useless machinery. (laughs) True. I uh, think West Orange was a bizarre place to grow up. Now that we've been sidetracked that sufficiently, I want to thank Tom Carvel for his thoughts. We're going to hear from Don Finelli. You're welcome. Everybody go out and support your local Carvel. Buy those people's. I wish that we already had the sports episode out so I could do uh, NCAA champion Nick Suriano's reaction to the movie. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, that'll be next that. week. Oh. Hello, Chooches and Choochettes. Uh, Don Finelli here. I sent like a four-minute version of this before, but uh, Gethard Arcapo said uh, I need to do a v- much shorter version. So here it is. Uh, many Saints in Newark. One, I was very happy Mike D was represented in yes. this with a Cell and the Bamberger <laughs> shout-out. Yeah, so I'm Bamberger. sure he's very happy about that. There was a bunch of like colloquialisms of North Jersey that back in that era that were very accurate, like your sister's cunt and you fucking <laughs> mutt and like a baby's pichadil. Uh, so I thought that was great. Uh, overall, I'm not sure why this whole thing was made. It felt like <laughs> it didn't feel like a movie to me. Uh, there wasn't really a plot. There wasn't that much character change or development. <laughs> it kind of was like a nice uh, little gift to Sopranos fans. Like, hey, here's these guys when they're younger. But I didn't really understand. It kind of just felt like a two-hour plot for me. And I was really thinking, like, this should have been like a, yeah. a series. like Even like a limited series. I thought this would have been awesome because I wanted to know about Tony more. I want to know about Dickie more. I want to know about everybody a little bit more. And it just kind of got surface level, a bunch of shit. So, yeah, felt like a two-hour pilot. Didn't feel like a movie. Uh, Baby's Pishadiel, Bamberger's, Gabuzel. Uh, and a lot of Gagoots references. So, there you go. Thank you, Don. Now, Mike D, uh, interesting, because it sounds like Don reacted similarly to you, both plot-wise and slang-wise. Don caught a lot of the same things that, that I caught uh, slang-wise. Absolutely. Oh, and I mean, it, literally, those are a bunch of the ones that I... Um, you know, got on, got on, and noticed right off the bat as well. And I think I was thinking as I watched it, if you were not from this very small Italian community in this part of North Jersey, how would you even understand the movie? You wouldn't even know what they're talking about because these are really pretty obscure slang words. Like these are not gabagool, right? These are yeah. many, many levels down. And Don caught a few of the ones as well. It just. You know, for everyone listening, I mean, Don and I are friends, but we do not communicate and coordinate on these things. We independently notice these things. <laughs> and also, if anybody's joining the show and isn't the, sure the exact nature of it, Nick, Mike, and I grew up together. Don, I know through comedy. You guys didn't grow up together. So it's not, you haven't spent a lifetime talking about this. So you guys both know a lot of these things and it independently verifies how they are part of a culture and not just like specific to your families. That's yeah, that's absolutely right. That this is culturally spread around in North Jersey. And if you're from that, you know, Italian American world, you probably know these words. And if you're not, they probably just sound like made up nonsense to you. So break it down for us, Mike. What, uh, you said you took notes on a lot of this stuff as it was unfolding. Get out of here, Mike. Do you took notes? I did. I know. I know. Of course I did. Shocked. It's one of the first ones that I picked up is there's a scene in the beginning where they're all in the back of Satriali's, the pork store, and they hand, I think, Johnny Boy the phone, and they say, hey, Johnny Boy, grab the phone. Tommy D is up at the Boots Mansion. So we know what that means, right? Yeah. The Boot is, you know, Richie the Boot Boyardo, yeah. who lived in a giant mansion in Livingston and was a really, you know, famous you know, whoever, yeah, maybe the godfather of New Jersey, however you want to break it down. But that's a pretty obscure mafia reference. You know, they, they don't they don't call him by his name. They call him by his nickname, The Boot. They mention that he lives in a mansion, which is true. You can Google it. It's still there. We've actually talked about it a few times on other episodes of the podcast because it's so um, ostentatious. It's a kind of amazing, amazing place. I thought that was an interesting reference that they threw in there. Mm-hmm. If you're from, uh, if you, I mean, I think featured in Weird New Jersey number eight, I believe a story about the boot. So weird New Jersey fans know it. And certainly if you know that, that's like kind of the fringe of Livingston right on the West Orange border. And uh, we all grew up kind of knowing that was sitting there. And I actually found out there's infamously these statues on the grounds that were painted. And uh, I later found out that an ex-girlfriend of mine, one of the statues is of her. So that gives me some cred. (laughs) That is some serious cred. This one is for you specifically, Chris, because a while back we did an episode where we talked a lot about New Jersey Italian slang. And one of the things that I said was, well, sometimes when the tripe man would come around, one of the things he would sell is a gabuzel. And a gabuzel is a goat's head, the actual head of a goat with the eyes and the teeth, and you eat the brain (laughs) out of the gabuzel. And... 
they're having in the movie they're having a dinner and i think dicky comes into the dinner late and somebody says to him oh where were you i just called the butcher he's gonna send over a gobbled cell <laughs> so i think that <laughs> i did note that i did laugh hard at that you had to explain that one to me months prior so i i just wonder though right this people all over the world are watching this movie how there's probably 10,000 people who know what a gabuzel is. David Chase has always done right by the hometown crowd. Uh, to, you know, to name an episode, there was an episode that had a, that flashbacks to Tony's dad, Andrea. Mm-hmm. So it took place in Newark. They rarely entered Newark in the show. It was all suburbs. But the name of that episode was Down Neck. And I always felt such love for that. They never mention it or explain it, but the Ironbound section of the Newark, to our parents' generation, and especially our grandparents, wasn't called the Ironbound. It was called Down Neck. That's where they all lived. So David Chase throws in stuff like that. The references to the Turtleback Zoo in the show. (laughs) Having Tony confront the the Cedar Grove cop at Fountains of Wayne. Like These are choices that are hometown North Jersey gets a cheer from the North Jersey people, even if they might be slightly... Like, nothing to outsiders or even confusing at times. But yeah, he's done great. The Bamberger's reference to Bamberger's <laughs> all of our parents shopped at Bamberger's I had that too everybody Bamberger's when Dickie is in his mistress's new condo and there's no furniture and they're sitting around he says oh we're gonna go down to Bamberger's and fill the place with furniture <laughs> I mean that is the most that's as Essex County as it gets that is we're gonna fill the go down to Bamberger's we'll fill the place up with furniture we all heard about how our parents used to take the bus up Main Street to go shopping at Bamberger's on the weekends that was before the Livingston Mall was there that was where you went shopping then we'll put plastic on the furniture I'm I'm excited to hear people like the the people who are like from Michigan and stuff like that like you, I even don't think about it because you know we started talking about it but I'm really curious what they think about it I mean Andrew's just from South Jersey and you know what I mean like that perspective is interesting, but to somebody even more foreign, that's a, there's yeah. an Italian yeah. community in Philadelphia. So it's not like, that's what I was just going to say. Like, you know what I mean? It's not that foreign, but it's still different than Newark. Uh, Greta uh, culture. <laughs> Goomba's culture. Yeah. Like I grew up in a neighborhood that, um, I, you know, the majority of the, of the families were Italian and my best, like the best, my best friends, the families I grew up with, um, were from South Philly, like generations back. Yeah. So like a lot of that, that sort of, yeah, was familiar to me, even if the like references to the specific stores and stuff weren't. Um, but, but, but yeah, I, I feel like that's very specific to this area. I like that they don't shy away from it or try to like pander to people. Well, um, yeah, pander to people outside <laughs> of the area. <laughs> Headed to three counties. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there was a. This scene is kind of rough, but when Dickie's father, he has that, you know, first brings his his new, <laughs> I'm making scare quotes, wife over from Italy, and they're having a fight because she leaves her douchebag in the shower, and he's like, and they're and it's subtitled in Italian, but he says something like, "Oh, it's skivats," and they translate it as unsightly. Which I thought was kind of interesting. So I guess that's I thought the, of you when the skeeve word was said. He's like, oh, it's skivats. Like, I, I did also think, did the Venus de Milo ever do that? No, of course she didn't do. She was handicapped. But that was a great joke. She was my favorite character in the whole movie. I yeah. loved her. She was great. She was good. Mm-hmm. She's a good, good actor. Too bad she got pneumonia. But... <laughs> Jesus Christ, Bobby <laughs> Anything else jump out as far as uh, local references or Italian slang, Mike D? A couple of quick ones. When Johnny Boy gets out of prison, he goes home and they have that big fight. And Livia says the most perfect line ever. I made your favorite pizza gain, even though it's not Easter. <laughs> and pizza gain, right, is like a, it's a, it's an egg, cheese. Don and I have talked yeah. about it. It's an egg, cheese, and meat like pork yeah pie, pork yeah. pie and you only usually make it at easter because it's a giant pain in the ass to make it takes all day to to make it um you know like I, I have one cousin shout out cousin jimmy and uh every year forever he makes pizza gain and delivers it around to all the family on easter just because Aww. he's the only person with the patience <laughs> to make a pizza gain anymore but i thought that was a great line another one when uh they're 
they're they're all in like the the party and they you know young tony comes in he says look at you you chooch you're gonna be a linebacker perfect use of the word chooch <laughs> and then the last one is uh when when they're in the the new house i guess in west orange which i didn't realize when we were when i was watching the movie and livia comes down and accuses tony of smoking pot and she's like oh you're not smoking pot your sister comes in here smelling like a gypsy you yeah. did always say I mean, wasn't perfect because Gosleyone had something to do with crazy like gypsies, and you always said your was that that was your grandma, my grandmother. You so Gosleyone means if you're my my grandmother said it means you're going house to house like a gypsy. Or like if you're if you say oh I'm gonna go see Chris, then I'm gonna go see Andrea, and then I'm gonna go see Dave. What are you going Gosleyone? You're going from you know place to place <laughs> like house to house like a gypsy. Now it is it is very very clear. Like we said, David Chase has Essex County bone bona fides. Essex County lives in this man's bones. He can't make a thing without mentioning Bambergers for us, Turtleback Zoo for us. So when's Mike D going to use his connections in New Hollywood to get David Chase on our show? When's that happening? <laughs> like next week is he coming? We got to strike while the iron's hot. Well, Nick, I was actually just going to say something kind of almost similar to what you said, Mike D's connections. We also know, and and Mike D's mom, who I have long had so much love for, who has lived in, I would argue, probably, you're not going to find too many people who have lived in as many Essex County towns as Mike D's mom. <laughs> I Have you ever asked your mom, I would not be shocked if your mom just casually was like, oh yeah, no, I knew David. I would not be shocked at all. They're of a similar generation and there's just too much shared culture. She might, I'll ask her. She constantly shocks me with stuff like that. One time she was like, oh, you didn't know, like... Joe, Joe Pesci grew up right around the corner. He still comes and gives your grandmother, you know, comes over and has a bowl of macaroni. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? It's just like, you know, and things like that. I'll ask her. I mean, I think she's pretty well hooked into that world in Essex County. Now, speaking of Joe Pesci, you just reminded me. Did you see the little uh, Joe Pesci joke in the in the uh, in the movie? No. Well, when. When he's visiting his uncle, which we should even talk about if that was real, is Ray Liotta's second character that's visiting the prison. Because, Andrea, one thing you might not know, Sopranos throughout the series had like a a sort of strange dedication to kind of like mysticism and the afterlife. Oh. And I watched all those scenes with Ray Liotta as the uncle, and I was wondering, is this all in this... Dickie, is this all in Dickie's head? Yes. Like, I, I, oh, I hope so. He's like all enlightened. You know what I mean? He's like, I'm a jazz head. Like, you never would have thought he was before because before he was just like Gumbats, you know? And he knows too much. He's just inferring too much about the dad's death and the and the Guma's death. He he's he knows a little too much based on what's being said. It feels I was obsessed with that character. He was I would amazing. love to know that he was just his like like a supernatural. Yeah, his like. Uh, this is one of the funnier Easter eggs David Chase put in the film. I noticed it right away. There's a great podcast called um, Bizarre Albums that Tony Thaxton does. That I love that podcast. Yeah, it's great. So do I. It is a huge fan. Fantastic podcast. He covered how Joe Pesci, before he was an actor, he, there was a whole episode about Joe Pesci's musical career. And when Dickie shows up with the Miles Davis album and then all the other ones that get rejected, uh, one of the albums that gets dropped is Little Joe Sure Can Sing, <laughs> which <laughs> Joe Pesci that. used to put out albums under the name Little Joe. That was a, I'm oh looking it up God. now, a 1968 yeah. album. Joe Pesci used to release uh, albums under the name Joe Ritchie, Little Joe. Album came out on Brunswick Records. The same label, Tony Soprano points out, Oh Girl Singers, the Chai Lights were on during a memorable episodes of The Sopranos. So, little dig slash chuckle for Jersey legend Joe Pesci in there. Um, I missed that. I heard he's like a big, he's like a big golf guy. He plays like, that's why I don't see him anymore. It was like Snicker commercials and pays golf, and that's it. I bet, man. More power to him. You know, he also, um, I think I found this out through Bizarre Albums, Joe Pesci introduced Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons to each other. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Love that. Joe Pesci was the one who introduced him all, I mean, but he was little Joe. He was, well, because he was like a Nordic music guy. Well, and also, he, Frankie Valli grew up in Stephen Crane Village, which is right around the corner from where my grandmother lived forever and 
Joe Pesci lived on the next block, you know, a couple blocks over from that. So it was all in this tiny little area there, like really close to each other. Your mom, if you ask her, your mom's going to be like, oh, David Chase. Yeah, <laughs> she's going to have it. She at least knows someone who dated David Chase or something. I just refuse to believe that your mom, the Essex County in her blood and the Essex County in his blood, they... I I would be shocked if it wasn't the case after watching this movie. I'll ask her. I I tried to get her to listen to the podcast, um, but she refuses to. <laughs> oh, your mom understand the technology. So don't oh, don't let your mom listen to this. You're so embarrassed. I also want to be clear too, Mike. You're being very classy, and I love it. But I I will say there's also a whole set of homophobic Italian slang terms used in this movie that I know you're well aware of. But you've been too classy to just yes, write them down and, and list not. them. But they're all over this film. There are quite a few. But that's like a. But the thing is, like that's like a big thing with that generation. Like like being gay was like you know openly you know not tolerated like as you know now like i don't know we all grew up like who gives a shit right whatever but back then it was like a big you know also a lot of just like casual and i know you know product of the time i'm not here like it's but just the like <laughs> casual almost lighthearted racism like oh, calling yeah. what's his name <laughs> jesse owens i'm not laughing at the joke of it i'm laughing at the like just offhanded just okay. and oh. i know like i said what is it the 60s or whatever like there's nobody there's nobody in that movie i'm expecting to be the one to like counter anybody for any of that but but it again just another like pointing back at at how yeah, casual sure. and thoughtless yeah. we were about all of those things back then it. there's a number of awful it exists right yeah. right there's a number of awful extremely derogatory racial mm-hmm. terms that are in the movie that people probably don't recognize what they are right. that I'm not going to mm-hmm. give voice to, but right. yeah, there, the, all that is in there as well. I just, I was just trying to be wholesome and we talk about <laughs> food, uh, you know, slang terms. Yeah. The lovable ones, the yeah. new mm-hmm. gabagools, the new, <laughs> the gabuzels, the new ragot, the new mozzarella. Um, I just wanted to shoot it out after that. So bad. I'm like, Oh, I Straight out. Got to go to Ferrara. Go float it in my coffee. Now, infamously, the whole idea for The Sopranos, if I remember right, David Chase originally wanted to write a feature film about the Nork riots. I was left watching that footage. Um, I was kind of blown away by its depiction of that. For anybody who doesn't hasn't researched the riots, the the scene with the uh, taxi driver, John Smith, getting dragged out of the taxi by the cops, the inciting incident of the 1967, the Nork Rebellion, was a taxi driver named John Smith, who cops uh, beat him. There were rumors that he died. Um, There was a, I think it was a firehouse next to housing projects that stuff was getting thrown out the windows of the housing projects, and that's when they realized, oh, this is not calming down. Like, um, and that, that led to these, this handful of days. I, I will say I, I did walk away going, man, I thought James, I thought James Gandolfini's son, Michael did a really admirable job. Mm-hmm. I mean, to inhabit a role your father played and that your father made completely iconic. And by all accounts his James Gandolfini was a nice guy and was able to summon something really dark and messed up for Tony Soprano. Like that's a weird thing to be asked to do. I thought he did well. Uh, but I, I, I honestly, and maybe it's just me being like a New Jersey history nerd, walked away going, man, do I wish I saw a complete movie about the Nork riots. Mm-hmm. That's my main takeaway. I don't know. Yeah, next. I, I'll agree with you. I think Michael Gandolfini did an amazing acting job. I had a serious problem. That was my one problem with the movie was the way that they portrayed the Nork riots. And I'll tell you, my, my specific problem was they didn't make it apparent what it was actually about. Yeah. And what it was actually about was blatant bigotry inherent in Nork. And they didn't make that clear. And like, we all know that because we're from there and we grew up there and that's like, that's what it is. But they didn't make it really clear to people that the reason that that happened was because you know, Nork was an extremely divided city and people had been put upon and destroyed for decades. And they didn't make it clear that that was the root of what it was like. Yes, that was the flashpoint of what happened, but there was so much leading up to it. So that was my only problem is that they, 
in some ways they didn't put enough blame on the gangsters and not that it was specifically gangsters that caused that but that entire culture is what the cops the cops all of it yeah no i was just gonna say that's that's basically how i took it i you know that it um was a good way of drawing a parallel uh to to what we're dealing with today and that it's not i don't need it necessarily spelled out for me that that um the police are kind of like inherently corrupt and it's it's not that long ago just from like an an historical standpoint i am very interested in in that time period and, and learning more about um that you know like you said like i think a movie about the riots would be really fascinating um but i guess there was also so much in that two-hour movie (laughs) um thinking about it to to really delve into that uh yeah you'd need a whole right other movie like you said absolutely well you'd need one or the other you you could probably get you could probably get a a a great movie and a great mini series Mm -hmm. and another great like one-off episode of something out of this i think we should just do our own spinoff and we all have to play at least two characters good god i i did want to say though i'm with you nick on the sense of i want to be ray liotta because this is the first time i've seen him in years they didn't look like hammered shit so kudos <laughs> to the makeup guy <laughs> i wanted to echo something uh both mike and nick said like mike you saying like it really I understand why you got why you get a little irritated at the depiction of the riots, and I think David Chase is trying to do the right thing. Um, but it is the popular dialogue of this, and and a lot of the riots of the '60s is oh, cops messed with the black community one too many times, and the black community fought back. But it's it's. You, the more you learn about North, the more you realize, no, the white community had been trickling out of that city and, and, and less and less of a trickle and more leaving in droves for many, many years before the riots. There was already, the fix was already in on white flight. And I was, one of them makes a joke about it when yeah. What's-His-Face walks into like, wherever they are. He jumps up and, and jokingly says white flight and pretends to run away so it like, yeah like white flight was an issue for many years all the real estate you know the redlining had been going on for many many years so it was already kind of being constructed as people came up from the south looking for jobs and as more black people were finding their way to the city it was already like the fix was in and and just a population that was less and less white and a police force that was 100 percent white and coupled with political corruption and they didn't even get into, you know, legendary stories. My parents still talk about how one of the things during the the rebellion, during those four or five days that you always heard was that guy who, uh, there was the Italian guy from Newark who had a fucking tank, had like an armored vehicle and like a defense, like a vigilante. Anthony Imperial. Yeah, Anthony Imperial, who you go, this you hear this sounds like a guy who's like traveling around He's that guy. the different wards in like armored cars and with guns and and then he gets elected and becomes a politician for years and you sit here, you go, Man, like there's so many more layers of racism and classism and people being played against each other and things being intentionally designed via the police force and the real estate industry and all this stuff that led to this. And you can't really tell that in two hours, but it is a little, the idea of this taxi driver got beat up and that's what led to the riots is a little bit too point A to point B compared to what really happened. And I think for a lot of us in Essex County, one thing I'm learning more and more, and Mike, I know you have a lot of love for Newark is like, that was four or five days in one of the wards of Newark, and that city then ate shit for, we're going on 60 years, that the city has really? been judged and ignored because of it. It's only like one successful part, like Iron Yeah, Man. and the interviews I've been doing with people that are going to play. That's with no help of Newark. That's of the community of people that have lived there for years. And there's racism to that, too. One, one of the interviews we're going to air, somebody points out, do you really think it's a coincidence that the the neighborhood, everybody goes, oh, but the Ironbound's so safe and great, also happens to be the one that's Portuguese. Uh, and you sit here, you go, yeah, it's more of the same shit, isn't it? And that's a community in transition, too. Ask the colonel, you know what I mean? That was Portuguese of for course. years. Like, now it's it's predominantly Brazilian, too. I mean, there's still a huge Portuguese population, but... I'll disagree with that stereotype, though, because... What stereotype? Because of... Oh, well, but when it was down, when it was down neck, it was still a good community. It had great, no, not, you know? not down neck, but I meant 
that was the the popular perception that it's like, oh, down neck is nice. But then you've also got, you know, you've got Forest Hills, which is beautiful. And there's... So that's totally... Nobody thinks about Newark when No, but let Mike finish the point, Nick. Let Mike finish the point. I'll shut up. Forest Hills, that's Newark. Like, I mean, 100% is Newark. And you've got, like, beautiful homes, really successful people living there. You go into Weequake, you've got a whole entire super nice middle-class neighborhood that backs up, you know, into the oranges, the same thing. And, and I think the main point being is there are, and always have been nice and still are really nice, functional, great sections of the city. But the perception f- coming out of this has just been, Oh, if you drive down there, you're going to get killed. And that's just not the case. You know, that I think it's right. always been a, a question of perception. I mean, there are legitimate you know, problems in a place like that, but I think the perception has been more damaging than the reality actually is, and that's I don't know. Yeah, I mean, no, maybe sure. I'm just I have a different view because those are my my crew. But well, it's something I've learned more and more over the years is just a community got fucked with in Newark and tormented, and then a rebellion happened that was not in the whole city and that lasted for a finite amount of time. And that was in 1967, and I'm 41 years old and have spent my whole life in Essex County being told not to go hang out in Newark. You go, man, that is a long time for a city to be punished over Mm -hmm. something that was not what we ever heard. You know, like the we never got the full story, and they've been punished for this very shorthanded version of what happened for decades and man is that fucked up what mm-hmm. we did to that city the reality of the situation it was not safe for us to hang out in newark as teenagers i don't care what fucking section you're talking about but okay i if you want to ignore that fact fine but like you want to are you afraid because of whatever demographic was represented or whatever newark is not a fucking safe city in general downtown is worse than other outlying areas if you want to go and look at the statistics fine if not whatever i'm just saying this is Somebody who lived in Belleville, West Orange, Montclair, traveled through Newark, worked in Newark all the time. I was like, exactly. I'll say, I see exactly what you're saying. But at the same time, downtown Newark or the places that we would go to, like, you know, the pipeline, places like that, were not safe for a teenager to be in, like, 1990. Of course, but any city on... Of course, any city, of course. Well, we're just, we're being super hyper, you know, general. but not, but not every city had this scarlet letter hung on it. You know, Nork had this weird scarlet letter hung on it where you go so many cities where even during the era of crack and during the era of, of, of all the bad shit happening in the 80s and 90s where the entire city didn't just get written off wholesale because of its worst pockets, you know? Um, and with Nork, for some reason, that was okay and I think a lot of the New Jersey cities. I think Camden, Patterson, yeah. too. Of course. But I think I think this those cities got abandoned more than a lot yes, of other cities. Yes. Like nobody would ever look at what was going on in the Lower East Side during the heroin epidemic and say, "Well, you can't hang out on the Upper West Side." You know what I mean? And that's what happened with New Jersey cities more so was just the whole place. Don't ever step foot in it. It's dangerous you'll get killed. It's like, that's not... And it still hasn't been gentrified. No, but that doesn't mean that the entire city needs to be viewed as the aftermath of a riot 55 years after it happened, you know? Right. Well, I'm saying, well, my point is, my point is, Newark continues to suffer to this day. Right. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Of course. I agree 100%. I'm just saying. To this day corruption and everything else still affects that place. And that's why it's like that. That's why it's going to continue to be like that. And their own fucking worst enemies in so many ways, not the people who live there necessarily, but the people that run it. Yeah. The corruption is well, of course. And And I will not be running for any office. So (laughs) no, but that's part of what I'm saying too, is you go, you have a city that's corrupt. You have a city that people are actively avoiding. You have a city where, Meanwhile, a lot of people in charge are looking the other way on stuff. You have a city where the police force doesn't seem to have a vested interest in the actual community it's serving. There's all sorts of fucked up housing stuff going on. But who's the one suffering? People. The people who live there. You know, the people who live there. Yeah, I didn't get the impression that you were saying it's five or six days of riots and then nothing that stemmed from like that yeah no I hear that you, it, like existed in a vacuum where that's only related to that but that like that 
event saddled Newark with a reputation that allowed for all of these other things to happen because people were ready to to turn their back on or or turn a blind eye to turn a blind eye to what was happening there um is is i think what you were what you were saying right gethard yeah thank god for the baroness she just put it all together (laughs) that's exactly it that's exactly it i'm sorry for derailing i just think that you can't boil down this entire city's history to an awful thing that happened especially when the awful thing that happened gets presented as a series of bullet points that aren't really the truth and you don't have to read about it beyond like wikipedia to know that you know, mm-hmm. you can read very little about the Newark riots and go, oh, that's not really OK. There's more to this than I ever heard about growing up. It doesn't take much to realize that. And meanwhile, the way that the city's been treated for decades. Brutal, brutal and really wrong. Mm-hmm. That's what's tough about the depiction of it in the film is it's made for you as a fan of The Sopranos to sympathize with the gangsters Mm -hmm. and really all that is you know it's not directly (laughs) the fault of those particular people but they are clearly the main contributing factor to this thing happening that was that was this is an extremely roundabout way of getting to (laughs) that's what I what I think but well this ended weird (laughs) well no don't you want to talk about the music is there gonna okay my Here's my question. Here's my question, and it's related to that, especially with the ending fucking song, which is like, boom, 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 before we get back to the Sopranos. But will there be a second movie? Are we going to fill the void of the 80s or no? <laughs> I kind of hope we do have a second movie. Um, I hope it just picks a hard direction that it wants to go in. I'm playing Syl this time. Oh! <laughs> When the theme song came up, I liked. I've seen a lot of people saying it was cheesy. I liked it. I, I, in wrestling parlance, I marked out for it. I don't know, Mike D. What did you want to say about the music? I thought in the entire Sopranos series, and in this film, the music selection is just absolutely ridiculously good. Um, there's so. I mean, I, I don't even know where to. It, to start with this but david chase or whoever he works with to pick the music is just absolutely incredible i mean you've got when you know when they're at the beauty parlor you hear like astral weeks by by van morrison you've got a whole bunch of gil scott heron stuff in there which you never hear in films Mm -hmm. and is is just really really cool to hear that because that perfectly um, you know, sets the mood for it. There's a little bit of James Brown, like and the famous flames, like some real old school James Brown. You've got Rolling Stones. Um, you know, you, of course, you got some Frank and Nancy Sinatra. Which you know, my feelings on Frank Sinatra and Nancy. I love Nancy. Can't stand Frank, but that's a great, um, really, really awesome song. And then there's the whole crazy scene where like the music is really central. Um, where young young Tony gets the stolen speakers, right? And he goes back and he listens to Mountain and he's got Mountain yeah, like blasting so through the speakers. And that's a great song. Like that's I mean Mountain awesome. is, you know, Rock basically out. the birth of heavy metal and you've got like young Tony yeah. on his stolen JBLs listening to Mountain right, 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 right two inches away from his head blasting that. So I mean I thought that was cool. You got a little, you know, Steve Miller in there living in the USA. I mean I always think that David Chase does such a great job of setting the scene with music from exactly the right, literally like contemporary music for when this is supposed to be shot. Um, so I think, and then I think it, I can't remember when this is in the movie. You also have Graham Central Station, The Jam, which is one of the all time great bass lines, really good music. Plus the uh, ref- Dickie Moltisante being so out of touch with music in 1967 that he thinks any record with a trumpet in it is jazz (laughs) made me laugh hard just kind of showing off how out of touch these mafia guys were in their own world and out of touch with pop culture good stuff there's one one easter egg in there for you nick too which is a song when uh when Dickie first meets Harold, you hear in the background just for like a few seconds, uh, they're playing the Ballad of the Green Berets, which I know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like, oh my God. Like, Only a few can be Green Berets. And that sets up that perfect 
patriotic goombatsism, you know, it, of that time period. We don't smoke marijuana. Anyway. I just like that they cast the youngest uh, Tony as a little chubby kid so that you could say that, like, I guess because Michael, right? Is that Michael Gandolfini? Is is a pretty slim guy. So I guess Tony just, like, struggled in general with weight. It wasn't, like, a lifelong thing, right? So something happened in his adulthood that that re-triggered his... uh... Well, that's a really good point, almost, of, like, him delving back into mafioso. That's a really good point, almost. No, no, no. no, It's a really good point, (laughs) Almost as if they are showing that he was finding his way out through this quest to be a varsity athlete or he had hope he was getting out and then he looked better and looked and not better, but better by that particular standard. And then he let the weight issue go when he delved back into this life of excess. And I thought that scene of Dickie telling him like, you just steal one thing and then you can stop whenever you want was just so obtuse. (laughs) how those guys lived. So I think it's a really good point, period. Not almost. Anyway, Nick, you were saying, closing thought. I would say my, my closing thought is this. I, I'm going to treat this movie like a Wes Anderson movie and I'll probably watch it 200 times and every time I watch it, I'll appreciate it a little bit more and then I'll like, I'll, I'll, there'll be like a moment where everything like clicks and I'm like, oh, it's fucking great. Now, but that's just my take on it. If you're, if I'm a big, and I don't, I'm a big Wes Anderson film fan. But I watched the bad ones. I uh, I think you're right. I have a feeling we're all going to watch this again and like it each time more and more. And I, I bet that coming out of the gate and having a pretty universal response of people going like, it was pretty good. I had fun watching it, but it didn't nail it. When you consider the importance of the Sopranos franchise in many people's hearts and minds, it's pretty good. Pretty I good. mean, to get to a place where people are like, it was pretty good, not perfect. David Chase, I feel like he actually probably landed better than a lot of people would have predicted if people generally liked it and thought you didn't nail it, you know? How are you going to stand up to the legacy of The Sopranos? Like, tall order, my friends. It's still no cookie puss. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody.